Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm the uh, West Shore Campus Pastor Traveling Missionary from way, way up north. And uh, took took two trains to get here. And I'm just so glad I made it here on time, even though it's Daylight Savings Day. Wow, I left last Tuesday, just got here. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And uh, I, I'm so, so thankful to be here. You know, if this is your first Sunday, you picked the right Sunday to come to church. Um, not necessarily because I'm here, but good choice. Um, but uh, because uh, this is a great church. This is really genuinely a great church. I didn't grow up going to church. And uh, lots of times throughout my life, I'd be so nervous nervous to invite somebody, like if I wasn't speaking, I'm like, I would never do it. I, I, need, I need to control it. But uh, here, God is, like, it's just, there's a great team of people here, great church. This is a great place to get connected. And so if this is your first time in church, good choice. You found a great space. Um, as, I, as I said, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up going to church. And, and so, so, so my journey has been kind of fascinating. I, I don't know what your, your history has been like in terms of uh, learning about the faith, but I learned about Christianity from cartoons, actually. Uh, the, the, the first image I have, like Christian image in my head of like, this is what Christianity looks like, is a picture of a cartoon with like a, a cartoon devil on one shoulder and a cartoon God on the other shoulder, uh, always like combating, telling you what to do, like eat the cookie. No, I won't eat the cookie. Eat the cookie, you wimp. Okay, I'll eat the cookie. You're better than this. And this is like always my picture of how, how God worked. Uh, of course, I learned from uh, the cream cheese commercial, Philadelphia cream cheese, what, what angels look like. And uh, that was really helpful um, to know that's where clouds are. I'm like, oh, that's where the angels live. Um, I think Bugs Bunny one time dressed up as a priest. And so he taught me about church. Um, Ned Flanders, of course, in, in The Simpsons, uh, he was like model Christian for me growing up. And this is how, how, I, how I pictured it always. I'm like, oh, so that's how Christianity works. Interesting. As I, as I got older, uh, I started to realize that cartoons aren't real. And so I, if I just burst somebody's bubble, I apologize. Uh, welcome to church. Uh, we, are telling, we speak the truth here. <laughs> and uh, cartoons weren't real. But what I assumed, though, was that if cartoons aren't real, like obviously Christianity is not real. Like, like God can't be real. That's, there's no way God would function like that. But it wasn't until I met an actual Christian and I met this particular girl, and there was something about the way that she lived her life. She, she actually lived like she thought God was real. Like when she prayed, she prayed with this idea. Like, like, like when I watched her, I thought, wow, do you think there's somebody listening to you <laughs> right now? Like when, when she would read her Bible, she would read it as though she like believed that the words were so true and authentic. And, and I kept watching her, trying to piece together, like, like, why do you believe that God is real when so clearly God isn't? And I started to realize maybe I'm not the one who's got it right this time. Maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe there is something to Christianity. And she lived her way, life in a way that it, it made me curious. And I lived, I lived a lot of my teen years, as, as many of us did, with an unhealthy amount of, uh, of, of fear, shame, guilt, 
And when I learned that there was a God, a God who could actually love me despite my, my shortcomings, but not only that, there's a God who could actually set me free. Set me free from these chains that, that, were, that seemed to be dragging me down all the time. That, that got me interested. And so I went to church with her, started following her around, and married her. <laughs> and, but I got to this place where I thought, wow, if God can do that in me, Maybe God can do that in you. And if, you're, if this is your first Sunday here with us, we're, we're in the middle of a series. We're actually just wrapping it up right now. It's called God Is. And this morning's title, if you're, if you're a note taker, is, is, is God is my chain breaker. God is my chain breaker. And, and specifically this morning, what I want to do is I want to unpack a, a, a portion of scripture found in Romans. And so if you brought a Bible with you, now's a great time to pull it out and press your neighbor. Like, look what I got. And so you can pull that out right now. Um, we will have the words up on the screen here. But I want to read for you Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 16 this morning. And my prayer is that each of us can leave here a little bit different than the way that we came in. Worship was great this morning. Pastor Lucas, you did announcements like a boss. But my prayer is that we'd be able to leave here having encountered God, that the Holy Spirit would speak directly to you where you're at, that this wouldn't just be a throwaway 25 minutes and then we can go for lunch, but God would really genuinely speak to you right now. So let's look at the scriptures together. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says these words. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, if you call yourself a Christian and you, you belong to Jesus, as far as God is concerned, you and him, you're tight. You is homies. You're BFFs. Your relationship is cordial and amicable. Like together, you guys got something going on. And this verse was a game changer for me. It's so easy to go through the Bible and just whip through Bible verses. But what this particular verse speaks, is speaks such a profound truth. You see, because I always thought God was angry and I always had this picture of God as this, this, this entity who just loved punishing people, specifically bad people. If I was God, guaranteed that's what I would do. You annoyed me, <laughs> enjoy the syphilis or whatever. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I definitely shouldn't have made that joke. Should not have made that joke. Moving on, moving on. Pastor Andy's in uh, West Shore today. Let's all scratch that one from our memory. All right, there we go. There we go. Moving on. So I always assumed that God loved punishing bad people. But here this verse tells us something different. This verse says that there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So immediately this, this prompts a question what on earth do I need to do to belong to Christ Jesus then? Because that sounds pretty good. No condemnation? Because we can figure that out. This whole Christianity thing, it starts to make more sense. 
This whole Christianity thing, it starts to actually come alive. It starts to move beyond routine. It starts to move beyond mundane. It starts to move beyond something we do every Sunday. But it starts to give life. How does that work? What does that look like? Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says these words. It says, And because you belong to him... The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In other words, and because you belong to Jesus, and that's what Christianity really is at its core. It's about reconciling a relationship between us and Jesus, between us and God. So what this is saying is it's saying, and because you belong to him, the power Like that life-transforming, real, tangible, accessible power. It freed you. It freed you from the sin that leads to death. I I, I can explain this with an analogy. When it comes to life, uh, chains are a great representation of sin. Chains represent um, shame. They can represent uh, a guilt, represent pain. And the truth is, the truth is, sooner or later, they, they, they begin to weigh us down. And ultimately, they, they lead to death, right? Chains are subtle. They're so subtle. And all of a sudden, you find one. And it doesn't look all that dangerous. It's a chain. It starts with just a little bit of curiosity. Just a little bit. I wonder how how it would feel. Oh, I wonder. I wonder what it would look like. I wonder. I wonder if this chain can help me. And they're so, so sneaky. Because the problem with chains, and this is the problem with chains, sometimes for a season, sometimes in the right moment, in the right setting, we kind of like wearing them. Welcome, my name is Pastor Two Chains. And call me Mr. T, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. There's this element to chains. Where you surround yourself by the right people, all of a sudden we can connect. All of a sudden, you and I, we can identify with the same stuff because we're walking through the same thing. And there's this piece of us that kind of starts to think to ourselves, maybe these chains aren't so bad after all, right? Like they, they don't actually kill me. subtle. The problem with them, like the, like the most dangerous thing about the chains is that sooner or later what happens is these chains they start to become part of us. And after a while they, they, they start to get a little bit more restricting. 
as we learn to get more comfortable with them, we actually what happens is we learn how to live with them. And they start to become part of who we are. We can't even imagine, can't even fathom, can't even wrap our minds around in some sort of idea that we could exist without these chains. In fact, it gets to the point where, where we actually have a hard time discerning what part of us is the chain and what part of us is actually us all of a sudden. It gets so confusing, especially with culture. Because culture has no idea what chains are. And it will tell you that certain chains lead to life and certain chains lead to who you are and say certain chains need to be fully expressed, to be fully owned. And what ends up happening is these chains, they get restrictive. They become part of our identity. In fact, it's entirely possible that a person could go through their entire life thinking that their chain is immovable, thinking that their chain is permanent. And therefore, what happens is we start to justify it. We start to learn to cope with it. We start to learn how to live with it. We learn how to come to church wearing chains. We learn how to raise our hands in worship wearing chains. We learn how to read our Bibles wearing chains. And then we get so confused because I thought Christianity was supposed to feel different. I feel exactly the same way I did before I was a Christian. I'm just doing all these Christian things. Well, that's because doing Christian things doesn't make you a Christian. And it's so important that we get that. You don't just replicate things and all of a sudden, therefore I am. In fact, I would maybe even argue that the biggest lie that chains tell us is actually that they only impact the person who's wearing them. See, the funny thing about chains is they can become invisible to me. You're all looking at me. You're looking at a preacher with chains around his neck. You can see it. You see that I look a little bit awkward. You see that this is a little bit strange. But for me, I, I, I stop even noticing it. It's just become part of how the sermon's going to go for the rest of the next 20 minutes. This is how this is. And the same thing happens with life. Sometimes our chains can actually get tangled with other people's chains. And all of a sudden, my chains, my problem becomes your heartache. Verse 3. Verse 3 says this, and it's actually a really fascinating Bible verse. It says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. What on earth does that even mean? You see, it's telling us that the chain is actually too strong, the chain is too tight. We're not able to break it off in our own strength. I don't care how strong you are. Olalu, I don't care how strong you are, bro. You can't break a chain with your muscles. It doesn't happen like that. In fact, you can't actually think positive thoughts that make chains go away either. 
you can't just tell yourself that you're not wearing chains and now poof, your problems are solved. You can't meditate a chain away. You can't, you can't drink your chains away. You can try and ignore them. Oh my word, you can try and ignore them. You can even try to hide them. And you can subtly tuck them away where nobody can see. And all of a sudden, tell yourself, I'm, I'm healed. I'm cured. I don't have any chains. Reality is, we all know they're still there. Chains are so much stronger than they look. And so the law of Moses is fascinating, right? So here it says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law of Moses is helpful because what the law does is it actually, it tells you that you're wearing chains. Chains are bad, don't wear them. That's what thus the Bible says. And we're like, well, okay, that's obvious. Thanks for the awareness. But the reality is, Awareness isn't enough. Like just the fact that I know that there's chains on under here, this doesn't actually make me chain free. Like let's just knowing that they're here, like they're, they're, still, they're still there. See, the Old Testament, the Old Testament law kind of works like a, a McDonald's billboard, like the menu board. So if you go to McDonald's and you look at the big menu board and you see the word Big Mac, Already your mouth is watering. You look over to the side and you see this big giant number, 563 calories. You see, that information is helpful, but it doesn't stop me from eating Big Macs, right? And the law of Moses works kind of the same way. And I'm totally choking right here. One second. There we go. <laughs> the law of Moses works the same way. It can only do so much. It can tell you what's healthy and what's not healthy. The law will tell you what, what, what's good and what's bad. But if you eat a Big Mac, knowing what the calorie count is, isn't going to make it healthy all of a sudden. It doesn't work that way. So where do we go with this? Let's look at Romans chapter 3. Or 8 verse 3, sorry. It says, so God did what the law could not do. Insert plot twist here. It says, he sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that at the just, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. In other words, God didn't create you so that you can go through your life, accumulate chains, and then just learn how to survive. He created you so that you could be free. He created you so that you could be in fellowship with him. He created you so that you could be in relationship with him. Because first and foremost, top priority, contrary to popular belief, 
You are actually a spiritual being before you are a human being. You're a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. And you were created intentionally by God because he wants you to know who he is. In fact, when God sent his son in a body like, like we sinners have, like, like, like it says, the difference between Jesus and us is that Jesus never carried a chain. He never picked up a chain and put it around his neck, ever. Jesus was holy. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was pure. And because of that, when, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was rewarded. And what's fascinating about that was his reward actually is our reward. Because what his prize was, was a key. His reward was a key. And this particular key is the key that unlocks those chains, that pain, that guilt, that shame, the stuff we carry, the chains. This key unlocks it. Amen, Adam, that was a good one. <laughs> the, the, the theological term for this process is what we would call sanctification. The whole idea of losing your chains. We call that sanctification. Sanctification, it's a, it's a theological word. What it does is it describes the, 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 the process. It describes the action of making or declaring something to be holy. Something to be set apart. Something to be um, set apart for a specific and intended use. Uh, generally speaking, uh, to sanctify someone or to sanctify something would be to set that thing apart for, for what it was intentionally designed for. So for example, if I had a broom on the stage, a broom is sanctified when it's being used to, to sweep. If I was wearing a watch, a watch would be sanctified when, I, when it was being used to tell time. And if I'm a human... A person is sanctified when their chains are removed and they learn how to live without them. That's how it works. To be sanctified is to be set apart for God's special use and purpose. As a church, we would describe sanctification like this. Sanctification is dedication to God and separation from evil. Dedicated to God separated from evil. Uh, another way of looking at the sanctification process is the sanctification is the act of removing chains and doing whatever it takes not to put them back on. Verse five. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Well, duh. That makes total sense. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Interesting. So why is there always this wrestle in my head? 
You see, when you're wearing chains, like it or not, you make your decisions based on the fact that you're wearing chains. Don't overcomplicate life. One plus one equals two. I can't do this because my chains limit me. I can't do that because my chains make it impossible. I can't do this because I feel different because these things weigh me down. I'm insecure. I'm nervous. What if somebody sees this? What if they know? And so we hold back. When you no longer have chains around your neck, friends, you are free to actually live differently. This is a dangerous analogy. All of a sudden, your priorities change. All of a sudden, your perspective begins to change. You no longer need to accommodate for your chains. You no longer need to like secretly hide them when you worship. You no longer need to secretly pretend they're not there when you come to a church service. Or when you're trying to parent your kids. Or when you're trying to love your spouse. Or when you're trying to find a spouse. There's freedom in just being able to be who you were created to be without the extra stuff we add to our life. You see, when your chains are gone, like gone, gone, the Holy Spirit can then lead you in new ways because you, you literally feel like a new person. Verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to peace. In other words, a, a chain mindset only leads to accumulating more chains. These things are magnetic. They, they, they want to accumulate more. They're never satisfied. And they're not satisfied with their own chains, not satisfied just being on me. They want your chains too. They want to be connected. A chain mindset leads to more chains, but a spirit mindset, a sanctified mindset, that leads to life. Because that's how we were intended to be created. Verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. A chain mindset only sees limitations. A chain mindset is hostile to God because a chain mindset only really knows what a chain mindset knows, it only knows itself. It only knows that chains are permanent. Chains are heavy. Chains can't be broken. I can try and hide them. But they're still there. And so they're super discouraging. Like it or not, chains, they, they, they define us. They control us. They, they actually do distance us from God. Not because God is pulling back, but because we're jamming stuff in the way. 
Authentic Christianity isn't learning how to cope with or hide or, or, or manage chains. Somebody hear me today. There's more to living your Christian life than just pretending this doesn't exist. My deepest prayer this morning is that this imagery would get stuck in your head. That when you think of your story and you picture yourself, you picture those chains, you don't have to have them anymore. They don't have to control you. Authentic Christianity comes through sanctification. It comes through allowing Jesus to teach us, to help us, to make us understand to, to how to be free. Authentic Christianity only exists when we start taking chains off and learning how to actually live without them. Verse 9. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. Friends, it's like he's giving us a head shake. Come on. His hands are on our shoulders. Come on. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not have him or belong to him at all. When you become a Christian, when Jesus unlocks your chains, when you, when you learn to get them off your body, your chains, they don't control you anymore. You're actually free free to be led by the Spirit of God who is living inside of you. And side note, just to be clear, Christianity isn't actually about perfection. You are not a Christian because you don't have chains in your life. Okay? You are a Christian because you have a relationship with Jesus. You are a Christian because you have Jesus in your life. This key, it doesn't actually just unlock the chains. What's powerful about this analogy is it actually goes beyond the chains and it actually unlocks the human heart. That's what Jesus died for. Verse 10, Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. It's saying, at its core, at its fundamental core, sanctification isn't about just removing as much chains as possible. It's about returning to a place where we are made right with God. Verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And this is what the key analogy is all about. It's not just taking a key that unlatches a chain around your neck so then you can go and have no chains. It's actually about so much more than just freedom. It's about life. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Jesus paints this beautiful picture in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And, 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 he, and he shares this metaphor, and it's so profound. What he says, he says, look. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. 
And if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's a picture of how God works. That's a picture of how God sees you. And maybe you hear Jesus knocking on your heart today. You weren't expecting it. You thought you were just coming to church. But God is here. And he's knocking on your heart. Friend, let him in. Verse 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You don't have to do everything you think. You don't have to do, follow every urge that you have. It just doesn't work like that. Jesus is powerful. And he sent a key, and he unlocks the lock, and it works. And the chains come off. And there's a process. There's immediately, chains are gone. But there is an element of responsibility that you and I all hold, too. There's an element of, we do got to do some damage control sometimes. There is an element of taking some of these chains off ourselves and not strangling yourself in front of other people. Chains can come off. We can be set free. But what's fascinating about human nature is this. What's fascinating about human nature is though, even though I've now been set free, there's a part of me that still kind of always wants to pick the chain back up. <laughs> and we do this all the time. And it drives me crazy that I do this. But sometimes in the right setting, as subtle as I can, I'll just pick up a little bit of chain because then maybe nobody will notice. And we start to try and live life. We've been set free. Like we know we're free. And we come to a church service, and this may very well be you. You know you're free. It comes time to worship, and you lift up your hands. And you got a chain there. And what's frustrating about it is the only reason it's there is because you're actually holding on to it. How crazy is this picture? We don't have to be bound by chains, but we choose to be bound by chains. Well, you say to me, no way, no way. It's not that simple. I don't do that. Yeah, we do. And we look so silly. What I love about this picture is you can see how silly this looks. But we're just, we're just friends, we're just not meant to live like this. When I was praying for this moment, I was praying for you, everything inside of me 
Everything inside of me was crying out to God saying, Lord, let us get it today. Some of you are bound and you absolutely 100% don't have to be anymore. It's not because there's a lock around you. It's because you are literally just holding on to the chain that you've already been set free from. It doesn't have to be that way. So I want to pray two prayers today. Two prayers. The first prayer, I want to pray for those who maybe you hear Jesus knocking on your heart. The second prayer, I want to pray for those who are carrying chains you don't need to carry anymore. So if you would bow your head with me just for a moment and close your eyes. If you feel Jesus knocking on your heart and you're ready, you're ready to invite him into your heart so you, he can finally take off those chains. Would you raise your hand just for a moment? I'd love to pray with you. I'll wait for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't get you to stand up or do anything. It's a very sacred, special moment between you and Jesus right now. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Pray these prayers. You can just think them or you can follow along with me, but, but God knows your thoughts. And it starts off by saying Sorry. Jesus, sorry for picking up chains and trying to do things in my own strength. God, thank you that you're real. Thank you that you lived in a body like we sinners have, but yet you didn't sin. And you died for me. And in that process, you created a pathway for me to be able to find freedom too. So Jesus, would you show me what that means? Show me what it means to be a new creation. Show me what it means to live as a Christian. Show me what it means to live with you as my Lord, with you as my Savior. Show show me what it means to be a Christian, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. But I want to pray a second prayer. Keep your eyes closed and your heads down. Because maybe you already have a relationship with Jesus. But you know, you know that you have a chain that you need to deal with. You've tried to take it off from time to time, but something, there's something about it. You just keep, keep picking it back up. Friend, I want to pray for you today. If you have a chain that you're looking to get rid of today, would you raise your hand real quick? I'd love to pray for you as well. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. You don't have to leave here different than the way that you came in. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. Jesus, we thank you that you are the chain breaker. We thank you that you are the the author and the perfecter of life. We thank you, Lord, that you are in our midst. We thank you that you are a creator. (coughs) Father, (coughs) would you create in me a new heart? God, would you give me strength? 
God, would you give me strength to overcome? Father, where we're, we're chains have become a, an, an addiction, Father, we pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. <coughs> Jesus, we pray that your spirit would move. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that we can leave here different than the way that we came in. Father, where there is chains of pride, we pray that those be broken off in Jesus' name. God, where there are chains of lust, we pray those be broken off in Jesus' name. Whether maybe it's greed, that it be gone in Jesus' name. Whether maybe it's, uh, Father, we just look to you right now for breakthrough in Jesus' name. You are our chain breaker. You are here in our midst. God, we look to you. So God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Beautiful. Amen.